If there's something Arizonans love to talk about, it's the rain. How we get too little, and when we do get it, it feels miraculous. So far this season, the valley really hasn't had a big summer storm. Last week, as a wall of dust ran through Metro Phoenix, a few places got sprinkles, yes, but nothing of measurable difference. Tucson, on the other hand, was met with heavy rains and even hail in some parts. The monsoon season is fickle, but as we approach two straight weeks of over 110 degree heat, it can be a reprieve from the sweltering weather whenever it does happen. But the blessing of rain doesn't come without consequence. Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com about Metro Phoenix and beyond. I'm producer Amanda Luberto, and this week, as we beg for rain, we're bringing you an episode from our archives. In 2021, I talked with experts about the good and bad of the monsoon season to find out if the reward was worth the risk. Arizona's monsoon season begins in mid-June and runs through September. Phoenix sees an average of a little over seven inches of rain per year. One-third of that rainfall is during this time. And because 83% of the state has been suffering from a severe drought, according to the National Weather Service, Phoenix relies on the monsoon rain for relief. But sometimes during the monsoon season, when it rains, it pours. To explain more, I talked with Jarrett Rogers. He's a meteorologist for the National Weather Service in Phoenix. Yeah, it's a very vulnerable location for flooding. So the terrain that we have, we have very rugged terrain across a good part of the state. So anytime it rains over the mountains, that water has to flow downhill. Um, So that can create um, pretty significant flash flooding situations. Um, And we've seen this, you know, over the past several years where You can actually be, let's say, at the bottom of a a mountain, and it's not even raining at your location, but maybe 10 or 15 miles away. And then all of a sudden, a flash flood comes from seemingly out of nowhere. Um, So that's a real hazard because you're not seeing those cues visually. In July of this year, Flagstaff had a flash flood so powerful that a video of cars being washed downstream went viral. The flood picked up ash, mud, and forest debris left behind by the 2019 museum fire. Up in Cottonwood this year, a detrimental flash flood resulted in the death of 16-year-old Faith Moore. And in Pima County, a four-year-old girl died after she was swept away by floodwaters. Even this past week, Flagstaff was once again hit by heavy rainfall that caused raging floods in the museum fire burn area. Jarrett said that the past fire seasons have a big impact on flood season. Unfortunately, there's you know, higher terrain, mountain areas all around the state. Um, So that water has to flow somewhere. And one thing that I'd like to mention, too, is that the fire activity is kind of linked with flash flood activity, too, because we had so many fires last year. 
that, that basically changed the, the soil um, and then burned all the vegetation off. So it basically made it even more susceptible to flash flooding. Um, those are called burn scar areas that we focus on. And there's been some pretty significant flash floods um, on those areas because of the fires in previous years. Flooding in the city of Phoenix, though, can look pretty different. While we're surrounded by mountains, the valley experiences what Jarrett refers to as an urban flash flood threat. Areas that aren't equipped to drain well, uh, you know, drain that water off uh, into like retention basins or washes or canals and things like that. Um, those areas can be prone to flooding. So there are spots around the Phoenix area. I think I-17 and Greenway is a, a spot that floods pretty frequently. Um, where if you get a lot of rain in a short period of time, that water basically has nowhere to go and it can quickly rise and cause serious problems for people out driving around. Sometimes a monsoon can be mostly dust, thunder, and lightning with only a little bit of rain. Jarrett told me that while a handful of lightning fires happen in the valley each year, it's a much bigger deal for the forests around Arizona. Okay, even if you're dead asleep, the sound of a weather alert on your mobile phone warning of impending flash floods or high winds will surely wake you. Bo Stoma is a meteorologist at the Salt River Project, or SRP. While he doesn't send out the weather alerts, his job is to track the weather so that SRP knows how to prepare for any ramifications from the storm. Uh, We do routine forecasts throughout the summer, uh, seven-day forecasts where we qualitatively talk about the risk for thunderstorm activity in the valley. And then we will do... um, same day weather forecast where based on our, our weather balloon launch that morning, we update uh, that type of thunderstorm risk and the high temperature forecast. And then we'll do weather advisories as well, based off of the thunderstorms currently threatening the valley. SRP also works with other organizations to best determine where outages might happen due to the monsoons. Another interesting thing is uh, partnering with other departments at SRP and uh, the National Severe Storms Laboratory, as an example, to develop tools that can be used to understand what areas might be threatened in terms of storms significant enough to down power poles. Uh, So, you know, this summer is the first summer we're testing out this uh, severe storms index that's uh, brought up out of that collaboration I just talked about. And uh, we can see this uh, areas of threatening storms moving closer to the valley and uh, see that in real time. And that'll give more of a heads up on where power outages might be. The way meteorologists at SRP do this is by using a weather balloon. And I had Bo explain just what a weather balloon really is. It's a big balloon filled with helium uh, that starts out at maybe three feet in diameter. Uh, You attach an instrument to it um, that measures the temperature, uh, the humidity, how much water vapor is in the air. Uh, the pressure, and then that balloon rises in the atmosphere and and moves with the winds. So you measure temperature, humidity, pressure, wind speed, and direction as that balloon rises. And uh, all that information is uh, key for weather forecasting. The information Bo collects goes to Joel Stitt's division. Joel also works at SRP, but is the Distribution Operations Center Manager. I manage the real-time operations uh, for our distribution electric system at SRP. So we monitor the system 24 7, 365 days a year, uh, directing all the crews. 
responding to outages, things like that, kind of the overseers of the system. When a monsoon storm knocks out your power, as long as you have SRP, Joel is the guy who sends teams out to fix it. And even though your power could go out for a lot of different reasons throughout the year, this is the season. You know, that's that's our Super Bowl. This is the monsoon season. So during the electrical Super Bowl, how common is it for the power to get knocked out? Very common. And uh, our storm season lasts from June through September. And if you just take just the outages caused by weather, by storms during that time, uh, we usually average around 300 outages during our storms. And that can range, you know, from last year, we only had 150 to uh, in 2018, we had 600. An average of 300 different outages a year. That's a lot of homes that are susceptible to the heat while their air conditioning is out. Electric companies work as fast as they can, of course, but every minute counts in this Arizona summer heat. According to the 2019 U.S. Energy Information Administration's Annual Electric Power Industry Report, Arizona experienced 83 minutes of power outages. Time without air conditioning, especially when the temperature is in the triple digits, can cause heat-related illnesses and sometimes even death. So, you find yourself in the middle of a monsoon, and now a power outage. What happens on SRP's side when you call them for help? If it's a breaker trip, and so you look at your house, you have breakers in your house, you know when the breaker trips because all your lights go out. So we have we have visibility of those breakers. So when, if a breaker trips at a substation, we get an alarm. We can see that that breaker opened up. And, that, and when I say a breaker, it impacts 500 to 1,000 customers on each breaker. So we'll see that. So we know there's an outage. And so when that happens, we automatically send uh, troubleshooters, which are those first responders, headed that way. He says when you call in, SRP is going to be able to see that your power is out. But what can be really helpful is if you saw something happen that might have caused it. Heard a bang, saw a flash, or a line go down. Something that can indicate why. Uh, we do have some sensors in the field that can help us narrow it down. But a lot of times we just have to send someone out there and we have to try and start switching to the circuit. So you may have noticed if you've been in a power outage where your lights might come back on, and then they go out again. Well, that's us trying to troubleshoot that circuit. We're, we're, we're just kind of working our way through it. And finally, we'll come to a point where either we find something or it, it doesn't work anymore. And we know that there's a problem. So that troubleshooter will then isolate that problem. Uh, because of SRP's robust system, we have alternate feeds that we can pick up. Let's say that we'll call it the back half of the circuit. And we can kind of narrow that outage down to a small area and, and a small customer impact. Usually SRP can get people's power on within a couple of hours, but Joel also suggested keeping a little kit just in case the situation's more serious. He recommends some bottled water, a flashlight, and a portable phone charger. He also said that keeping a refrigerator closed and computers unplugged while the power is surging can be really helpful as well. Joel also advised to have a place in mind where you can go just in case, but not a neighbor because if your power is out, most likely so is theirs. While the monsoons can cause flooding, power outages, and other damage, rain in the desert is always a good thing. While it doesn't eliminate the drought that the state is in, every year with rain is helpful. It works as a natural way to contain our wildfires. 
this year, firefighters had a hard time utilizing Arizona's natural resources, like Lake Powell, to help contain the wildfires because the water levels are too low. Here's Jarrett from the National Weather Service again. It's influenced it quite a bit. So last year was pretty unusual because even in, in a typical monsoon or a typical summer, um, June starts out really hot and dry. We don't have the moisture to get thunderstorms and rainfall. But then by July, it starts to moisten up and we start getting more rain. Um, and that tends to, to end the fire uh, season, at least in most areas. Last summer, we didn't have that. We basically kept that June pattern throughout the entire summer where it just stayed hot and dry. Um, so that just led to a, a tremendous fire season across the state of Arizona. Um, this year, luckily, it started off dry, but it didn't last very long at all. And as soon as it started raining across the state, that really um, suppressed the fire activity across the state. And ever since then, we've you know been very quiet on the, on the fire uh, front here across Arizona, which has been good. With the rainfall also comes lower temperatures and humidity maybe more than us lifelong Arizonans might be used to. The monsoon season has its downsides, but it certainly has its positives too. You know, if we go too long without any rain, we start seeing a lot of problems across the state, obviously with drought and water supply, um, but also the vegetation. um, It typically leads to hotter temperatures, which can be, uh, you know, a problem for for heat-related incidents. So rain is generally good in the desert. You know, I think most meteorologists would say that we want more rain uh, rather than less rain. And I think just judging by uh, the public perception here, I think most people get pretty excited when it rains. So, Rain in the desert can help with wildfires, droughts, and temperatures, but it can also break up the mundane nature of the hot, hot summers. Roger Naylor is an author and a travel writer. He's written seven books and even guest writes here in the Arizona Republic. I asked Roger if he could write something original for Valley 101, some musings he had about the push and pull of the monsoon season. Here's what he wrote. It's called The Joy of Monsoon Season. Let's face it, four seasons just aren't enough for Arizona. We need a fifth one, a special one, one full of drama, hope, and the promise of magic. We need a season with the power to transform our whole world. We need monsoon season. Rolling in on the heels of scorching summer days, monsoon season is far more ethereal than our traditional equinox-defined seasons. Once upon a time, it was declared official by consecutive days of dew points above 55, but that proved to be too nerdy. So monsoon season was assigned its own specific dates. It now begins each year on June 15th and ends on September 30th. Of course, we all know that calendars mean nothing to monsoon. It operates on its own schedule, appearing haphazardly, often on in sudden bursts and breaks. Often it seems to occur everywhere except where we happen to be. But in those wonderful years, when it arrives in all its splendor, when it brings a deluge of rain to each corner of the state, everything seems right with the world. Yet rain is only a part of this complex weather festival. All the elements of monsoon storms are thrilling. They drop the temperature as chilled air swoops in and snatches away our summer sizzle. There's no better feeling than running around the house on an August afternoon and flinging open windows so that a cooling breeze can come in with a whoosh. 
For a few delicious minutes, the air feels sweet and juicy as tree-ripe peaches. Then we gaze toward the heavens. Monsoon storms unleash a cosmic opera of shadow and light. Half the sky goes black. It's like midnight showing up uninvited to brunch. An armada of seething dark clouds jostles for positions while sororos below are bathed in white sunshine. As the storm closes in, the light turns reckless and wild, and there's that moment of anticipation as we stand on porches wondering if the system will break apart and vanish, or if it will hold together long enough to deliver the goods. Then the sky quivers, and those first drops fall, sparse and scattered and as fat as cherries. That opening salvo is just a prelude because soon a seam splits open and rain pours down in a frothy cascade. It comes fast and ferocious, a silver veil connecting land and sky in a long-awaited reunion. Harmony is restored. The storm may only last for minutes, or an hour, or it may continue long into the night. We celebrate whatever we can get. Life is granted an extension because of rain. Plants wiggle their little roots in glee. The cacti swell up. Seedlings and blossoms that have been on indefinite hold suddenly flourish. The desert turns almost instantly green, green enough to make leprechauns book an Arizona vacation. Yet most memorable of all is how it smells. If there is a more seductive perfume than rained on desert, I don't know what it could be. It's a fragrance that means home to Arizonans. Those big wet drops kiss the Ocotillo, dance among Sororo spines, and waters our vast herd of lizards. And while that's happening, the land releases a musky, earthy fragrance, all heart meat and hyacinth. Some people will tell you it's simply the aroma of wet creosote, but it is so much more than that. It is angel breath. It is the scent of almost forgotten love. It is the juice of a billion stars, a flavor intoxicating, comforting, and evocative. When rain falls in the desert, you can feel the earth smile. For a while, we get to believe in miracles again. Anything seems possible. It has rained in the desert. More of Roger's work can be found at rogernaylor.com. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Valley 101. Curious about something? Let us know by visiting valley101.azcentral.com. This episode was produced by me, Amanda Luberto, with editorial help from Kathy Tulamello and audio oversight by Kaylee Monahan. Today's musical scoring came from Universal Production Music. You can support Valley 101 by subscribing to us on your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. And if you liked this episode, share it with a friend. Maybe it'll bring the rain. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AZC Podcast. Valley 101 is an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com production. I'm Amanda Luberto. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.